Welcome back to I Have to Ask with Elizabeth Hess. Today's guest is Champaign County Coroner Dwayne Northrup. Good evening, Dwayne. Good evening. You have said that most people don't fully comprehend what goes on in a coroner's office, and neither did you, you've said, when you first responded to an ad in the paper for a part-time deputy coroner position. Could you tell me exactly what your office is responsible for? Sure, certainly. Uh, the Champaign County Coroner's Office is responsible for responding to and investigating all deaths that occur within Champaign County that fall under the jurisdiction of the coroner. And those deaths include anything that's traumatic related or the person died as a result of trauma or complications from trauma, uh, any sudden unexpected death that occurs, whether it's at the hospital, at home, it could be from natural causes, but if it's sudden and unexpected, it warrants an investigation by the coroner. Um, anything that could be suspicious or criminal related, uh, we have to investigate. And I actually, as a coroner, determine the cause and manner of death whereas the police department would determine if there's a crime or there's an investigation into a crime. I would inform the police how and why the person died, and if someone else is responsible for that death, then the crime would be investigated by the police department. And as coroner, it is your responsibility to determine if someone needs an autopsy and they cost, is this correct, between 1000 and 2500 each? That's correct. Depending on what part of the state you're in or the U.S., it varies, but usually it falls between $1,000 and $2,500 per autopsy. So how do you decide whether or not to conduct an autopsy? Uh, well, that's that's one of the things I have to do on a daily basis, and there's no, there's no good or definitive answer for that. What I I tell all my staff and anybody that asks is every case basically stands on it on its own depending on the investigation and what we're determining from the initial investigation we make a decision based on the factors of the case whether an autopsy is warranted Sometimes an autopsy could be required by state statute. There are cases such as uh, any children under the age of two who die suddenly and unexpectedly with no definitive cause of known cause of death would require an autopsy by law. And then most of the others are discretionary based on the circumstances. Well, homicides, as you mentioned, always result in autopsies, but now we see them on TV shows. You get the results back within 24 hours. It's not always that easy. Sometimes what it can take weeks in order to get toxicology back. So is that the biggest misconception about your job, would you say? That's one of them, definitely, is that everything happens in 24 hours or 48 hours, when in reality, most investigations from start to finish can take several months, depending on the circumstances. And toxicology is a big factor. Uh, obtaining records and documents from other agencies or other entities can take, it can take us a month or two just to receive records when we were request them for review on a case. If a person's seen by hospitals or was in a facility in another part of the state or in another state, tracking down those records and obtaining them sometimes can be a daunting task as well. Now, since you work at a county with a level one trauma center, Carl, sometimes deaths fall under your jurisdiction, but there's only one pathologist in the Urbana office that serves Champaign and the surrounding communities. Doesn't that create a backlog of work? Uh, it does. It creates a large workload for our office and our pathologist. Um, but in reality, our pathologist does approximately 250 autopsies a year on average, which is right about where he would be expected to be. Um, we're fortunate in central Illinois that there are some other regional facilities not too far away. Um, McLean County, Illinois has one. Kankakee has one. So once you get you know, outside of the surrounding counties of Champaign, uh, some of those counties would go to other counties there. Now, due to funding issues, the Champaign County Coroner's Office is operating with 
four full-time investigators and two part-time. The office handles, is it 1,900 calls per year? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there any downtime in anybody's job in your office? There really isn't. It's a struggle. I mean, we're, we're understaffed. There's no doubt about that. And, and we really could use uh, additional full-time staff as well as any, many other departments in the county. Um, I'm sure we're not alone, um, but it's a full-time plus caseload for my staff. And there's absolutely no downtime ever. We do everything we can do just to keep up with the daily caseload that we have. Can we talk about autopsies again? Can sure. we go back to this? Okay. Sometimes a family member requests an autopsy when the coroner hasn't ordered one. Some want to know if there's a medical malpractice insurance, fraud case, or if it looks like a suicide, but there might be foul play. How do you talk to the families about these tough decisions? Oh, sure. It's... Uh... You know, it's something we have to do. It comes with the job. Um, we've gotten better over time with it. You know, it, it's always difficult to talk with families about death, especially when it's a loved one. Um, and when it comes to autopsies, that's a difficult discussion we have to have. And, and it can go both ways. Sometimes we need to do an autopsy and the family would really like us not to do an autopsy. And under the law, I can I can overrule the family if I feel it's necessary. You know, we hate to do that if we don't have to, but there are times when we have to do that. And on the opposite side of that, there are times where family would like us to do an autopsy, but whenever the coroner's office does an autopsy, the county pays for that autopsy. So I have to be conscious of the fact that, you know, to do an autopsy at taxpayer expense, I have to feel that it's really necessary. So in cases of natural deaths where families may just want to know for sure one natural cause over another, I may not be able to order an autopsy at the county's expense, but they have the ability to order a private one and they would have to pay for that. So those are daily decisions I have to make as well. So does organ donation, does that complicate autopsies? Is there a certain amount of time once somebody's died that you need to harvest the organs to make them viable? That's a great question. That's another daily issue I have to deal with is potential organ donor cases because under the law, um, I can overrule organ donation if I feel it's necessary. And those are some of the hardest decisions I have to make. Um, we've done a good job, I believe, in our office of, of making that happen as often as possible. And we work with the organ procurement agencies. Um, but ultimately, it, depending on the circumstances, if we autopsy somebody first, they can't be an organ donor. Obviously, they would be deceased at that point. Um, to be an organ donor, someone has to be declared brain dead um, in the hospital, but be kept alive on a ventilator. So then the decision has to be made um, through consultation with the coroner's office and the organ procurement agencies. Can we release this person to be an organ donor and will that affect or negatively affect our ability to do an autopsy and determine a cause of death? Um, sometimes it won't. Sometimes we feel it will. Sometimes we can release in a limited capacity. So those are, again, daily decisions that have to be made. Uh, with our Level 1 Trauma Center, we have a lot of potential organ donors that end up coming to our local area, and those decisions have to be made. So your job is not 9 to 5, and I love the fact that your wife has been quoted as saying that she learned to drive separately whenever you went out because you might need to respond to an emergency call. How have you been able to view horrific details at work but then come home and separate that from your family life? Um, honestly, I'm not sure how I'm able to do that over time. I, I, I suppose maybe it's gotten a little easier, but uh, that's always been something I've been able to do. I can't say that it's necessarily easy, but I... I uh, attribute that to my family as far as, you know, when I come home, my family life 
takes my mind off of what was going on at work usually unless my phone rings. Um, so I credit my family, my three daughters and my wife and my extended family for uh, giving me other things to think about and do when I'm at home and not dwell on what I've seen or done at work that day. Here's one of the most interesting things I learned about your job. The coroner has the same powers as the sheriff. Should the office of the sheriff become vacant, the coroner performs all the duties as required by law and retains these until another sheriff is appointed or elected. Why do you think the coroner is next in line to fulfill sheriff's duties? I can't say why for sure. That goes back way farther than than me um, in in the statute, but uh, I'm aware of that. And it's actually happened many times in the state of Illinois and other counties I'm aware of where the coroners had to step in and act as sheriff. Um, Likewise, it it happens in the reverse as well. If something happens to the coroner, the sheriff can step in and act as coroner temporarily until a new coroner can be appointed or elected. Uh, One of the things is coroners in Illinois are law enforcement. As you said, we do have the same authority and powers as a sheriff. So I think being the only other elected official possibly in the the county that has similar authority as a sheriff, it made sense years ago uh, whenever it was put into the statutes that uh, the coroner would step in and do that. Uh, And like I said, it's happened many times. So thankfully, uh, I've never had to do that uh, in Champaign County. So well, that's a relief. Um, now I've talked to both Katie Blakeman and Mark Sheldon. We've done podcast and I've asked them if they're nervous about being in the political minority, a Republican in the county. I'll ask you the same thing. Does the recent blue wave make you nervous about your next election? I think I would have, I would be foolish not to say that it, it makes me a little nervous. Um, I, you know, I've, I've told people before that I always believe and and have always felt based on how I was raised and brought up that if you showed up for work and did a good job and, and, you know, you did the best you could that, you know, things would work out. I still hope that's the case. You know, I I try to do the best job I can as corner. I I can't say I always make the right decisions or good decisions, but I try. Um, But, you know, based on recent elections, you know, it it makes a person wonder, you know, how things will turn out. You know, I'd be foolish not to be a little concerned. <laughs> what does being a Republican have anything to do with being a coroner? Um, really, and that's the interesting thing, it really doesn't have anything to do with being coroner. Um, I think the position, I'm always a strong advocate for coroners in Illinois. I'm a strong advocate for coroners being elected because the decisions that a coroner has to make in their daily functions, if a coroner wasn't elected, uh, I think it's harder to make those decisions because there's someone, you know, a smaller number of individuals who have control over whether that coroner would still have a job versus being elected. The coroner answers to the citizens as a whole on the job they're doing and the pressure to, to make autonomous decisions based on the law is less, I believe, for an elected coroner than someone who's appointed to the position. And other states have appointed or are they most elected? Uh, It varies state to state. Uh, Illinois has a handful of appointed coroners um, in smaller counties in the state where they don't have trauma centers and nursing homes, larger caseload or or larger population. There's nobody that wants to do the position and, and it doesn't pay very well in, in those areas as well. So they have a person that's appointed to do it. And usually those people have other full-time jobs as well. Is your personal history more criminal justice or science or is it a combination? Mine is more criminal justice. I actually have a criminal justice degree. I the investigations that we do, I oversee the investigations. I don't actually perform the autopsies. I would have to be a licensed physician with training in pathology to do the autopsies. So I basically oversee all the investigations and make the determinations on 
whether an autopsy is done or not. Sometimes I consult with our pathologist on that if there's a question that, that I can't answer, but most of the time that's not the case. But my background is more in criminal justice. I'm unfortunate I have staff that have mixed backgrounds and always have had some have been in, in emergency you know, EMTs or emergency medical response. Some have been nurses. Um, I've had people from the fire background. I've had other people from the criminal justice background because a lot of what we do can and does end up in court on criminal cases. So a good mixture of the two usually works out well in our office. And and depending on what discipline we come from, we can look to some of the other employees and staff for answers in their, their expertise. Can you walk us through what happens? Let's say there's a homicide in Champaign and who gets the call? What's the chain of command? And then do you go to every homicide yourself or do you send a deputy? Uh, many of the homicide scenes I will respond to myself depending on the circumstances. I don't go to every death scene that we respond to. I physically would not be able to and capable of even though we do respond 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, I do put in 40 plus hours a week and I have deputy investigators that work for me that cover certain shifts. So if there's something major going on, I will respond. But oftentimes I'm backing someone else up or I might be filling in for somebody who's off at that time. So I don't respond to every call. But on a typical, on a homicide case, which is a big a big death investigation, so to speak, because there's a lot of players in that. The police department's there. The EMS are there. Uh, there's crime scene technicians there a lot. The state's attorney's office may have a representative present at the scene. Um, there's a lot of family members there. There may be media present at the scene uh, in, a, in a large case or a high-profile case. Um, so what happens is usually 911 is called, EMS will respond, someone's been shot or injured or unconscious, unresponsive, they arrive. Sometimes the police or oftentimes the police will respond at the same time based on how the call comes in. Once they arrive and determine EMS gets there, police will make sure the scene is safe before EMS enters. Once they enter, if they determine the individual is deceased there at the scene, everything is basically roped off and quarantined or cordoned off and detectives are called by the police department. Usually EMS and or the police will notify the coroner's office because they're required to by law that there's a deceased individual at that residence. Obviously it appears to be trauma, sudden, unexpected, any of the above. Um, so a member of the coroner's office is always on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we will respond to the scene whoever's on call and possibly myself if I'm not the one on call. We will sit there and, and meet with the police department when we arrive, um, get the preliminary information of what's happening. If it is a crime scene or believed to be a crime scene, we of course wait. State's attorney's office may respond. Search warrants need to be obtained. Um, the coroner's responsibility on a death scene is to take charge of the decedent or the body themselves. And we have jurisdiction over the body. Nothing can be done to the body, moved or tampered with or removed from the body until we get there and authorize whatever happens. The crime scene itself is under the jurisdiction of the police department. So we would work with their investigators and their crime scene detectives, and we would figure out best ways once they've processed any evidence that leads up to the body, then we would go in and make our way to the body. We would assess the decedent looking for any obvious injuries. You know, are there any obvious gunshot wounds, stab wounds, fatal injuries? 
Um, we would attempt to ascertain a, an identification at that time if possible because it's the responsibility of the coroner's office to notify next of kin as well when someone has passed away. So we would first assess the body. Once all the evidence had been collected at the scene and processed, we would photograph, document the condition of the body. Then we would remove that person from the scene and transport them back to the coroner's office to await an autopsy. And with homicides, gunshot victims, so forth, that would include taking x-rays back at the coroner's office and so forth, more photographs, and we would schedule the autopsy. That procedure would go on. Once we leave the scene and collected everything we need, the police are still working at the scene and the state's attorney and so forth, crime scene detectives, but we go back to the office and then we handle our part. We try and identify, make sure we've got a positive identification on the scene. We start trying to track down and locate next of kin to notify them that this person has passed away, give them what preliminary information we're able to release at that time based on what kind of investigation it is inform them that there's going to be an autopsy when, when it'll be completed, and that we would need to know possibly a funeral home that we could release that person to once we were able to do so, and basically provide that information to the family and ask them to follow up with us as well. Fascinating. Is there some level of urgency because, let's say they rode into a crowd at a parade, it could have been a hate crime, it could have been a medical emergency, it could have been opioid overdose. I mean, there's a level of urgency in your office to help the police to determine the cause? There can be, depending on the circumstances. That same example could be a natural death. Someone had a heart attack and collapsed or passed out in their car and drove into a crowd as well. That that would be considered actually for the person driving the car would be natural causes because they suffered a heart attack. But if they ran over and killed someone in the crowd, that might be accidental. If they did it intentionally, that could be a homicide as far as the manner of death for the person in the crowd who died, which is, again, one of the things we have to determine through the investigation. And that's where we would work jointly with the police department because information the police department may gain can assist the coroner in determining if it's a homicide or accidental means based on statements from people who survived and were there. So... Many times with crimes that have occurred, there's a joint investigation between the police and the coroner that we both complement each other in our findings to help us both arrive at final conclusions. Natural deaths, on the other hand, sometimes it may just be the coroner's office doing the investigation depending on the circumstances. And do you hate shows like NCIS that have made us dime store coroners think we know what you're doing? I I don't hate them. Um, I don't watch them. I don't uh, because there is a lot of misinformation and and they do make our job more difficult because the the expectations from the public are not not real as far as what we can and can't do in the time frames. Um, I've learned to live with it, you know, because there's not much I can do about it. Um, likewise, they tend to glamorize the job that we do. Um, I wish that that the job of the coroner was as glamorous as it looks like on TV, but it's really not. Most people don't realize you know, truly what it's like to work in the coroner's office. And a lot of times we're surprised to find out what it's really like. Well, I have to ask, and then I'm going to let you go after this question. My sister and father are both doctors, and they say that most doctors and nurses and people in your position, there's one thing that grosses them out. For both of them, it's anything I related. I was just kind of curious if there's any part of your job that is disgusting or that makes you nauseous. Um, there's nothing that really stands out. Unfortunately, we see and we see and have to do a lot of things in our job and deal with a lot of things um, that you know 
cause us to kind of grow accustomed to having to deal with that, I guess. There's always there's certain smells sometimes and odors that you really can't experience in anything else. Uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, if a person's been deceased for a long period of time in a warm environment, um, the decomposition process on the body um, is can cause an odor or smell that you won't experience anywhere else. Um, we have to deal with insect activity sometimes for people who are found in conditions where they're either outside where insects can get to them or or inside residents, um, the condition of the body. Um, there's there's all kinds of examples I probably couldn't give. I'm going to change the name of this podcast to I'm Sorry I Asked. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, Dwayne Northrop, Champaign County Coroner, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.